Anemia, Christian fellowship, communion with God and with fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is Koinonia. This is Community. And now, your host, Tom Brown. Welcome to Koinonia. This is Mark Buckley filling in for Tom today. I hope you're enjoying a beautiful Monday in the Valley of the Sun. With me in the studio are two old friends, Jerry and Marilyn Farnick. They've been missionaries in the Czech Republic. They actually started out in Czechoslovakia back in the day when it was under communist control. And uh, we're going to get some of their story, the transition in their country, what it's like to be a missionary, the pressures, the challenges, uh, fundraising, and uh, how we can be praying and supporting not just folks like them, but other people that you're going to know and love who are doing the work of the Lord all over the world. Jerry and Marilyn, thanks so much for being with me today. Thanks for inviting us, Mark. So, Jerry, tell us, where did you start out? How did you get the idea that you wanted to spend? You've been in the Czech Republic for over 30 years now. Yeah. How many years altogether? It's 30 years. 30 so years. have been working there 30 years. And how did you get the idea you wanted to be a missionary? Well, back in the 70s, late 70s, I'd become a Christian at the University of Colorado, and I went to a conference where the speaker was challenging uh, all the students to pick a country in the world that uh, they could pray for, maybe give funds toward mm-hmm. fulfilling the Great Commission, maybe go there themselves. And so I started praying for Czechoslovakia almost on a daily basis back in 1977 mm-hmm. and uh, uh, reading articles about uh, that land. My grandfather had immigrated uh, in 1905 from Moravia, which is a section in the Czech Republic, and... Uh, so and, and that, that, that was a natural fam- tie. They had some of the most famous missionaries of all time, yeah, the that Moravians. Was in an right? in in earlier era. But anyway, that was how it started. I began to pray, and then God allowed me to go there on a short-term mission trip to Poland just the year before Solidarity broke in Poland in 1980, and I was able to uh, be in Czechoslovakia just in other four words, days like on Forrest a visit. Gump, right? You go, and then the the communist revolution uh, collapses. And well, now no, that was in 1989. In, in, but this is before solidarity in Poland. Okay. So I was which really was in the Poland, beginning, which was yeah. the beginning. That was of part what? of the beginning. You're right. So um, I'm going to talk to Marilyn a little bit, too. When I first met Marilyn, she was so shy that if you asked her a question, she may or might not even answer, you know. And and when she started following Jesus, he began to transform her from the inside out to the point where you were singing a song at your own wedding in front of hundreds of people to one another. You're singing a duet, which was so beautiful. I've never forgotten it. What has the Lord done in your life, Marilyn, over the years? Well, I think it was very crucial when I became a Christian that I I think at the time I had been very focused on myself and very, very shy and just uh, very fearful of people. Mm -hmm. But as 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 I grew in my faith uh, after putting my faith in, in Christ, I think God showed me just the great need to focus more on him. Mm-hmm. And and not fearing people, knowing I'm in His care, and also just loving people, focusing on how to serve serve them. And I just am very thankful because I was I was so so afraid, but I I am very grateful to God. Also, I'm grateful for your encouragement because you were very uh, very helpful at the time of just giving me opportunities to serve as well and get to know people and see that. Well, I basically forced you into it, which is my style. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, was, Sink or swim, great, and you swam. Yeah. But you were you know living in a 
a middle-class family in Marin County. You, you accepted Christ. You probably figured you were going to live out the American dream one way or another. And you ended up being a missionary, and you've been serving the Lord ever since. I'm so proud of you, and I'm going to hear more from you in just a minute. This is Mark Buckley from Living Streams. I'm glad you're with us today. We're going to get a little behind-the-scenes look at the life of a missionary in the first half of this program, and then we're going to talk to a man who oversees a whole bunch of churches throughout Arizona in the second half. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. I'm talking with Jerry and Marilyn Farnick, who have been missionaries for 30 years in the Czech Republic. Marilyn, how did you get the desire to become a missionary and, and to be vulnerable? Because you are vulnerable. You leave the language you know, the family you know, the friends you know, and go live in a place where you guys didn't know anybody, did you? Yeah. Well, when I went away to college, I was really grateful also for the, the opportunity to be involved in a student ministry and learn how to share my faith mm-hmm. uh, to help people to come to know Christ, but also grow in their faith, how to lead small group Bible studies. And I really got a heart for, for, for serving there and a, lot, and a lot of experience. Then I went away for a year to France um, as a, a junior abroad year, saw great needs, of course, in France mm-hmm. where there, uh, there are, uh, there's, well, Christians are definitely in the minority and there were a lot of, a lot of atheism there. And, and at the end of that school school year, I really realized that it was no accident, uh, that really it was part of God's plan, that I was raised in a country where I was given the opportunity to hear the gospel, to grow in my faith, to learn how to serve, that there would be also churches that would be supportive of, of my going overseas as a missionary, and that it, it just, it, it, it really made sense that to not waste the, those opportunities and the, the experience, and and that God was calling me to go into into missions, my first year in a, in a student ministry, mm-hmm. I met Jerry, who was who was also desiring to go to a, a well now a former communist country. Mm-hmm. I was heading more toward Romania, but when we met and and decided to marry, I was more than more than you happy were to, 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 to go with them the... to the to Czechoslovakia. So okay, I want to I want to take our people back in time a little bit. It was. Czechoslovakia. And I remember talking to you guys, I think on your first furlough after you had been there, I'm asking, how's it going? And you guys were having to learn the language and you're trying to share your faith. Marilyn, you're a really gifted singer. So I said, well, why don't you just go into the park and, uh, and sing songs about Jesus, you know, and then share your faith with people that would come up to you. And you looked at me like, say, Mark, you can't sing a song about Jesus in a public park in Czechoslovakia. And I'd say, okay, then just go in the park and sing a folk song. And when they come <laughs> up to listen to your beautiful voice, then you can talk to them about Jesus. And you said, no, you don't understand. You can't, there. Yeah. yeah, you can't do anything to draw attention to yourself. Jerry, what was it like, the, the, the oppression of communism, thinking back in those early years when you were first in the country? Well, I think one of the things people need to realize about Czechoslovakia is that they calculate every other person in society was reporting on someone. 
in other words, it even happened within families. So they would use different means in their secret service uh, uh, apparatus uh, set up from from the Soviets, obviously, to be, report on citizens. So that that was one of the things they did, uh, and that was a lot of pressure on people. They were hesitant. A lot to, of fear, and yeah, people. a lot of fear, paranoia, hesitant to to. Uh, uh, you know, meet foreigners. So what we did, a lot of what work we did was obviously individually, we would invite people to our home or would meet them and that kind of thing. And that's how we shared the gospel. Break down some of the fear barriers, yeah. help them. Yeah, to know after they, they knew us, and we got to, we're getting to know them. Uh, and uh, we knew there were some people that were reporting on us, but generally we, we, we tried to get to know people and then and bring the gospel in that so context. So how tough is it? This is a Slavic language. It's not doesn't come natural to most people. How tough is it to go from zero to conversational to where you can think and relate from your heart in a whole other language? Yeah, it, it's it is quite difficult. It's a it's a Slavic language, and it has uh, seven cases, of course, in the singular, another seven in in the plural. So. It What's really, a case? Uh, well, like the uh, the nominative, the genitive, the the dative, the. Oh, all uh, my uh, listeners know exactly <laughs> what you're talking <laughs> okay. about when you say anyway, that. Anyway, there's seven of those, so, <laughs> so it's, it's very important, of course, of, of course, uh, as as in, yeah. in learning the language, is to make yourself clear. It's uh-huh. a very beautiful language. You can be very exact in what you're saying as long as you you get it right. But it does take many, many years to, yeah. to learn language and to become fluent and to... But it was important, we, we felt, because to really speak to people in their heart language yes. and, and, yes. and really understand them and really answer their questions and bring them along to understand more of the gospel, we really knew we needed it. It was a great advantage when we came, uh, to the, when we went to the Czech Republic, uh, to Czechoslovakia at the time, there were very few English speakers, uh, very few uh, uh, Americans, and so we had many, many opportunities to learn, and we were f- kind of forced. There was no way out. You yeah, just the, you say, just I'll, couldn't I'll just fall English. back on English. Mark, if I just <laughs> add yeah. one thing about the language, they say that it's the language we're going to speak in, in heaven. Czech will be the heavenly language because it takes an eternity to learn. <laughs> That's, That's what they say. <laughs> so, um, Jerry... Let's fast forward a little bit. You guys use a lot of creative strategies to share Christ with people. Tell us some of the things you're involved with. Well, one of the big things we do, we do a lot of English instruction, uh, evening classes for children and their parents and grandparents. Because it's a big deal for people to learn English. Yeah, yeah. of course, under communism, they were kind of forced to learn Russian. But Mm -hmm. now English is crucial just for the EU Mm -hmm. and uh, all kinds of commerce and that type of thing. So we do a lot of work with that. And then we kind of have a big event in the summer that kind of focuses on that called the English Camp, Mm -hmm. where we invite people we've met, sponsored by our church. In the evening, there's a message uh, talking about Christianity. Uh, sometimes it's the first time people really have ever heard a lecture or been exposed to Christianity because we're really the, the most what? atheistic country in Europe. Are you really? Yeah, the most atheistic. Wow. So what percentage of people have ever really been in a church or got even raised in Sunday school before they fell away kind of thing? Uh, you know, very like minuscule amount. Actually, we had people at... Uh, we have less than 20,000 evangelical believers in the country. Uh-huh. So uh, if you look at all the demographic information, you'll see that there's a, you know, a, a kind of a, a, a number of Roman Catholics 
But you got to remember, even when they say Roman Catholic, that would mean that they go to mass twice a year. Yeah. Midnight mass. At, in, Why is that? Why would, of all the nations, the Czech people be almost most resistant to the gospel? Uh, that that's a difficult question. I think there's a lot of factors that 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 are uh, affecting the situation. Uh, they have a very difficult history, and mm-hmm. and of course, around 1620, there was a very important battle, the Battle of White Mount, Mountain, which which the Protestants lost. And mm-hmm. at that time, around in the following years, all of the Protestants had to. Uh, either convert to Catholicism or they had to leave the country or they were actu- actually killed. So there was a mass exodus of of, of cr- Christians who went into o- other countries. And I think that, that, that was very serious. Of course, just just even the conflict at the time was, was very, mm-hmm. had a very negative effect. Then you have many years of, uh, of difficult, difficulty where, you know, uh, uh, the world wars and, and that took, took part... Uh, no, Hitler, Hitler basically annexed the Czech Republic, right? On the eve of the referendum to whether they were going to join Germany or not, he just sort of moved the tr- troops in and, and sealed the deal and took them over. Yeah, that's uh, pretty accurate there. What happened, remember the French had a g- agreement with the Czechs that if they were invi- invaded, uh, the, the Czechs French would help be, them. Yeah. If the if uh, the the Czechs were invaded. The French would help them. Remember, at that time, Czechoslovakia had the third strongest economy in Europe. A lot of people don't realize that. And their army was very modern. But what, what ended up happening was the French reneged on that in pressure from Hitler, along with the British. Chamberlain, you might remember, he went really? back and said, peace in our time. Yeah, they yeah, signed yeah. over, kind of forced the Czech to sign, Czechs to sign over the Sudetenland, mm-hmm. the border regions. Of course, Hitler eventually just took the whole country and then invaded Poland, and that's what people consider the start of World War II, the invasion of Poland. But the Czechs look at it a little bit differently because they, they were, were in, they were invaded and earlier. taken over. And yeah. I guess the good news is they didn't lose hundreds of thousands of people in battle, but weren't many of their men conscripted into the German army during the there war? There were some what they called Ust uh, regiments that did have to fight like even on Normandy, mm-hmm. but most of them sh- would shoot their NCO, who was a German, in charge of them when they saw yeah. the Americans coming ashore. So they didn't weren't really loyal to the Third Reich too much, which you can understand. Yeah. And then a- after World War II, of course, you have four, 40 years of communism, yeah. and I think that, that was, that's the most significant That was devastating factor. for them. Huh? Well, being taught from a very early age, scientific atheism mm-hmm. uh, was, uh, of course— very, very, very influential on on people. People were afraid to go to church. They mm-hmm. they were afraid of the consequences for their families. They knew that that would mean that their children would perhaps not have the opportunity to go to the schools they wanted to go, or to travel, or to 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 get a good job. So, and they knew it would not only affect themselves but also their families. So there really was a lot of there was a big price to be yeah. paid for being a believer. And I'm sure there were some faithful believers through that whole time, yes. and yes. some yes. even even some churches that survived. Yes, yes. there were. Yes. Um, what a challenge! That is a really really the, big the other factor you just might want to add, Mark. You know, because the parents were raised in that environment with scientific atheism, Marxism. Now, even though it's after communism, you know, they, they pass on their values to their kids. And so right. they don't want their kids to be different 
than them. Yeah, than well, the, than because there's a price to be paid for believers in society to this yeah. day. It, it, and that's why a lot of people, unfortunately, let their keep their light under a bushel. You know, yeah, they're, not, right. they're not sharing their faith. How often do any of us meet somebody on an airplane, you're sitting down just next to somebody, and have that person start a conversation and share their faith in Christ? Almost never, right? Because believer, and, and it's not like you never sit by a believer. It's just like everybody's being silent. And people wonder, well, why have we got so many problems in our country? Why are the political candidates the way they are, et cetera, et cetera? It's because believers are not being the salt and light they need to be. Yeah, that's a good point. So I want to ask you guys a couple of other questions. First of all, what was it like in the nation when communism was finally lifted, when it was broken? Was it sudden or could people have, they have a hard time believing it? Or what, what was the, the dynamic that took place? Well, I, I think for a few months, maybe, maybe the first year, they were a little fearful that this was just a temporary, a temporary ch- change and that things would, be, uh, that would revert to how it was before, that there could even be a, an ev- invasion again. Mm-hmm. So they, they were fearful. But in time, I think they began to really uh, uh, accept it. They, I think in a sense they felt that God had remembered them and visited them and, and wow. helped them out and that he had a hand in what happened because at the time, many people returned to the churches, came to events. We would put up a sign at that time for, for a, an evangelistic event uh, like Josh McDowell yeah. coming and thousands of people would, really? come, would have to turn people away. Wow. And, and, and it was a, it was a, a, a window of yes. <laughs> harvest, yeah. a window of time. Yeah. That's yeah. wonderful. My guests are Jerry and Marilyn Farnk. They've been for 30 years serving the Lord in the Czech Republic. And when we come back, I want to ask them, what what in a practical way can people do to support missionaries and who should even consider taking a short-term trip or whatever? I'm Mark Buckley from Living Streams. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back. This is Mark Buckley. I'm talking with Jerry and Marilyn Farnick. They've been missionaries for 30 years. And Jerry, um, what, what a lot of times people know about missionaries if they're in a traditional church is the missionary comes, does a slideshow presentation, has a few people show up, and, and they say, please pray for us. What in a meaningful way can people do in terms of communication, prayer, financial support um, that really makes a difference? Well, I think... Uh I think that advice I got in the 70s about picking a country, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, and, and beginning to pray for it, that some way you could be involved, I think that's still a good good uh, plan of attack mm-hmm. to think about a country maybe that you could focus on and begin to pray for that, that country and, and think about, learn about that country, mm-hmm. uh, find out what's going on there and what needs to be done as far as fulfilling the Great Commission there and and, uh, and you know, there's a possibility that maybe you could visit that country um, and uh, God would maybe open up some other doors. But I think that's one of the things I would say. Uh, maybe you can't pick every country, but you can pick one country. Yeah, Marilyn, have you been surprised in terms of who stays in touch with you and who doesn't, who supports you and who doesn't over the years? 
Uh, I, I have to say that we're very grateful for really faithful friends who mm-hmm. have supported us, very faithful churches, and that that has been a, a, a great blessing to us. Uh, I I think, it, you know, we can't underestimate the need for prayer because I think when we're on the field and we're, we're, we're working very hard, there's many, many different ministries, we know there's just not going to be any fruit unless God answers those mm-hmm. prayers and really brings the growth and change, changes the hearts of people. So we really do need that. When we come back on furloughs and when mission, other missionaries come back on furloughs, I think even those presentations, they're very important because I think people need to see what's happening. They need to see the faces of the people that, yeah. that we're working with so that they really even have a greater burden to be praying for them. So I yeah. think when missionaries come, welcome them, make opportunities for more people to hear what's happening so they their hearts will be with those people and with, with the missionaries on the field, even even when they're away for, for, for many years. Amen. Um, Jerry, what do you think about the political and spiritual climate in Europe today? And I, I know you guys are in what we would call Eastern Europe, but what is the situation today? Um, I think in the former communist bloc countries, I think there is quite a bit of disillusionment uh, in regard to the hopes of democracy. I think uh, there's been kind of some of the the corruption that was obviously present under communism uh, is is still being carried out under under democracy in that sense. I think so. I think people have been somewhat frustrated with that, with the the, the political environment. They promise one thing, and they, they don't fulfill it, and so I think. Unfortunately, some some have just dropped out and don't even not involved in the uh, voting process. uh, A good proportion of the society, so that's sad in in, in some ways. But I can understand the same thing that happens here, right? Yeah, it's it's just similar. It's not completely um, wrong because, to a certain extent, it doesn't matter what kind of system of government you have. There's going to be a certain amount of corruption, certain amount of uh, incompetence because it's people and people have problems. On the other hand, what you've learned firsthand is there are governments that are much more conducive to the gospel than others. Right. And, and the stakes are big and it is important. Yeah. You know, we're, we're grateful for the fact that we can worship freely. We can, you know, we distribute literature, whatever we want to do. I mean, basically we have freedom of religion, which is really a great blessing, you know. And we, What's the typical man on the streets response to you? I mean, you you are the kind of guy that shares your faith with strangers. And, and what, what's the typical guy going to? How is he going to respond? You know, it's kind of interesting. Uh, it kind of when you bring up these issues, most people do not even understand the terminology. So you've got to really begin with just explaining things on a basic level. Not that they're ignorant; they're very very intelligent people, but because it's such a secularized society, that's one of the things you, you, you struggle with. But I always, I kind of say it's kind of like you've landed from Mars, you know, when you're talking with you, you're kind of like a Martian because they just have no context. So what we try to do is, is talk about uh, uh, the scriptures and, and like Romans 1. Which, do you just ask them questions like, have you heard, what have you heard about Jesus yeah, or what yeah, do you know? We, yeah, we ask, we try to get them to respond by just laying out an open-ended question about Christ, Christianity or about Christ, what they know about it. And, uh, and what would be a typical response? What, what do they know? 
yeah. I, I, I would say for the most part, they, they would, uh, well, from, from their education, they would know something, something about God, but most had, would have never read, read the Bible before. Most would say, well, that's how you were raised. You were raised in a Christ, Christian country or mm-hmm. where there are many Christians, and that that's, that's just not relevant to them. And I think they think, you know, that Christianity is just a crutch. It's for weak people, older, mm-hmm. older, older people. That they're they've kind of they're beyond that. That they don't need it. It's it's an interesting because when we talk about how, of, of course, it's it's so important to be reconciled with with God, not just for this life to have a better better life, but because of of all eternity, that they would be sure that they'd spend eternity with God. All of a sudden they begin to understand that it is relevant to them as well, that mm-hmm. one day they will also stand before God and, and have to answer for their life. And, and uh, it, it, it's really important to, bring, to, to show them that this is, this is the most important question that they, can, that they will face in, in this life. Now, you guys have raised three kids in that culture. And yes. um, were two of them born there? Just one of them. Just, just one of them. Uh, but we... Came back. We had a little break where I finished up seminary. Then we came back in the spring of 1990, and have been there ever since. We were there four years under communism. Then came back in 1990. But Jared, our our oldest, was two years, ten months. Autumn, our second oldest, she was ten months old. And then Hovland, our youngest, who just got married this last weekend, uh, yeah, was uh, was born there in the Czech Republic. They've always worked with us in ministry. They've always participated in our English camps and as translators and have done all kinds of things. So they, they, they now, have a, heart a lot for of missions. people think, um, hey, I want my kids in a Christian school. I want them in a safe neighborhood. I want them to have Christian friends. You've raised three kids in a country where you knew that they probably wouldn't have friends that knew Jesus at all, and you sent them to schools where there was atheism, many more atheists than almost no believers, and yet all three of your kids loved the Lord. Tell us about that. I'm very, very thankful for that. I think it's just God, God, God's grace. Um, they were in schools where, where, for the most part, they were the only Christians, sometimes, sometimes they, uh, certainly the only Christians, um, but I think, in a sense, that was really good for them because mm-hmm. they they knew that they needed to uh, help people to come to know Christ. That they, you know, it, we there was a great emphasis in our family of influencing others rather be, than being influenced by them. God was very gracious in the life of our youngest daughter, who the first week of high school uh, met a girl who just uh, was excited to meet an American and wanted to speak English. Uh, she knew nothing about God and was very mm-hmm. quite a firm atheist. Atheist, and yet they started to talk. And because she wanted to practice her English, they began to talk about all sorts of things, including God. Oh, and uh, she had many questions. She started to read the scriptures, mm-hmm. uh, and God just began to work in her heart and and show her that, you know, many of the things she had heard, even growing up, about evolution and things were were not true. She began to look, look into how God was actually the the creator of the world, and and just many of the arguments she had had against Christianity were were over, overturned. And and just a few months into their freshman year of high school, she put her faith in Christ. And so all four years of her high, high school, uh, they were 
an encouragement to each other, and they also were able to reach out to others and, and help many others as well. So that's awesome. So she, she was actually the in the friends. wedding. She was in the wedding party this weekend and here. She in flew Phoenix. over from it's the Czech Republic to yeah. be here. <laughs> Pretty exciting. Oh, neat. So, and, and some other girls did too, didn't they? Yeah, there were some other girls. They came, and so we had a little Czech contingent. In the wedding party. What did they think of? Was this the first trip to the United States for some of them? Yes. for. And what did they think? I think they're really enjoying their time. They've been traveling around a little before, Uh and now they'll travel around uh, the the, the states, and they're really having a good time. We're Uh, very thankful, even at the wedding, that they could hear uh, uh, hear the gospel, and they could hear a little bit about what it means, even Christian marriage. So. We're just praying that God would use that to, they, to help them as well. They did say it's, they, they feel it's a little bit hot here in Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll adjust that for them next time. All right, that's that great. So nice. <laughs> well, that, you know, to me, I want to just reiterate that truth that you guys have obeyed God's call. And because you sense that the Lord could use you in a more significant way there, maybe than anywhere else, and you will put your kids in harm's way, as they would say in the military terms, and the Lord has protected them, preserved them. Both of your daughters are married to Christian uh, gals, I mean, uh, Christian men who love the Lord. Your son's waiting for God to perfect the right woman. <laughs> and, uh, and yet they love the Lord. And, and it's possible, isn't it? What, what have you done, Jerry, in your marriage and in your home to set the kind of environment that would make your kids want to follow Christ like you guys do? Well, I think one of the things we've tried to do is to pray often together as a family when when crises came up we would we would pray together uh, I think we tried to resolve conflict quickly and in a biblical manner that if someone needed to ask forgiveness that they w- would actually ask for forgiveness and forgiveness would be given mm-hmm. so those kind of things we tried to tried to emphasize we try to communicate openly and Marilyn that's the same in our relationship we try to talk about matters if there's something between us that we we you know we, we'll resolve it not go to bed angry or, or something mm-hmm. like that so i think that's what we try to do but it's really the grace of god uh been merciful and, and kind to our family we always had a special time on sunday evening kind of gathering as a family to kind of set the week yeah. where we had a, de- a devotional time listening to actually a sermon online uh, and then praying together, and that was always helpful to kind of start the week yeah. uh, there back in uh, back in Prague. Well, you guys have been a real blessing, and I appreciate you, and, and I pray God will continue to bless your ministry. This is Mark Buckley from Living Stream. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. Koinonia. This is Mark Buckley, and with me in the studio is Mark Looning, one of my favorite guests on Koinonia. Welcome back, Mark. 
Thanks, Mark. Good to be here. Tell people what you're doing in terms of overseeing churches for Foursquare and also your Springs Church. Okay. Uh, Foursquare is a denomination of churches that uh, originated in Southern California, and they have 34 churches here in the state of Arizona. And I'm the area pastor, they call it. I cover connection, communication, pastoral care, inspiration for those pastors, their leaders of the Arizona churches. So I want to just deal with one thing. A lot of people like to disparage denominations and say God's doing something new today and all the rest. To me, a denomination is a group of like-minded believers who are sharing funds and missions and people to promote the kingdom of God. And there's nothing negative about it at all, unless they happen to be carnal and then they thought they're better than everybody else or they're the only true group. You guys, what are some of the benefits you found by working with a team of brothers and sisters in Foursquare? That's an excellent question. I think relationally, the uh, connection, the truly the accountability that you, hey, you are going to meet these guys every quarter. You're going to sit down with other pastors, colleagues, peers. They're dealing with stuff you're dealing with. And then to create that culture that Foursquare has designed, has uh, put in its DNA, that we're we're in it together, and let's be honest and genuine, authentic together, so that we can pray, care for each other, walk together. Amen. Very important. Which so that's what, a great benefit. And everybody needs that, everybody. right? I mean, if, you're, if somebody's in an independent church, that's great, yeah. okay? Somebody started it on their own. But no part of the body of Christ is no. truly in, independent. We're interdependent. Yeah. We all need one another. And when there's unity in the body of Christ, the treasure of the majesty of Jesus can flow exactly among the members. Uh, we were just at a men's retreat together, and one of the points that I shared was the concept that uh, Dr. Uh, Henry Cloud shares in one of his, he's a Christian psychologist, shares in one of his uh, forums is that they did a test with uh, monkeys and they put them in a s- extreme environment with loud music and noise. They were all in cages. This is before PETA ruled the yeah. world. And they did these tests and they took their blood level afterwards and found their cortisol level was extremely high after this stressful experience. Right. Then they took the same monkeys two weeks later, did the same sirens, loud music, lights, all that, but put a buddy in their cage, Mm -hmm. put another friend, another chimpanzee in their cage, and they took their blood uh, samples. It dropped 50%, their cortisol stress levels. I don't care who you are, be it in the body of Christ, we all need a buddy in our cage. We need somebody that will walk with us, listen. Maybe Maybe it's not even so much... Uh, spiritual warfare as it is spiritual companionship. It's Amen. someone to walk and to share life with and uh, help each other out. When one's down, the other one's not. That's right. And we're not two ticks without a dog. Yeah. <laughs> we've got some life to give to each other and help each other. Amen and amen. That, that reminds me of that illustration of uh, I was at the Outcry concert last oh, week, yeah. and one of our guys in our church is one of the founders of it. And I, I did great for about the first three or four bands, and then it got so incredibly loud. It's like I'm out of here. I'm done. And and I talked to the the younger leaders in our church who stayed till the end. And I was like, Oh man, it just drove me out. Oh, they love it. They yeah. love it loud. Yeah. Do you guys have any issues in your church about how loud the worship gets? Oh yeah, we still uh, 
we've we've calmed it down a little bit. I think we found a good medium place, but we still have people bringing earplugs. I mean, you've got uh-huh. a certain sect that brings an earplug, and I get it. I get uh-huh. that. Uh, I don't think it has to be obnoxious to be relevant, but I do believe the younger ones do. Maybe it's their eardrums are already gone. I don't know, but no, I think, I think they be... don't have the same sensitivity. Exactly. I think when you get over, especially you get over sixty years old, yeah. there's a sensitivity in the inner ear that changes, and the way you perceive sound is just like totally different. Yeah. Um, but uh, I want to say one other thing about that because. When you bring in, you know, light shows, we've got light, we've got, you know, fog machines and all this kind of stuff. It's actually a way that some people show their love for God. It's like mm-hmm. they want to give the Lord the best they've got. Right. That and, and others are like, why do you need all this stuff? Yeah. Well, we also want to reach the younger generation right. And and to get their attention and to prepare their hearts yeah. for the Lord. Uh, it, that the very apropos, and the point being, always the message stays the same. Yeah. The message of Jesus Christ, His authority, yesterday, today, and forever the same. Mm-hmm. The cross, the the resurrection. That is the core. The message stays the same. Methods come and go. Right. I, I would not do an outreach to Sun Lakes, which is the predominantly retirement community in mm-hmm. our area, I wouldn't do an outreach to Sun Lakes with an outcry concert. Right. I wouldn't. Right. But I wouldn't do uh, an outreach to Central Phoenix or to the uh, areas of younger high school kids. I wouldn't. U- I'd use Skillet or another band like that. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't use the Gaither vocal band. So right. the message, message is the same. The methods change and messengers God picks and uses. Amen. Yeah. Mark, because you help oversee... 30-some pastors, besides the guys on your own staff, what are some of the things that our listeners can do to support their pastor? What do some of these leaders that you work with need from their local congregations? Oh, that's that's a great question. I think, um, I honestly think the easiest, most, probably maybe even meaningful place to start is just communicate that to the pastor. Go to your pastor um, not on a Sunday morning because it's crazy and things are happening and there's a lot of layers taking place in his mind and heart. But maybe uh, just, and I would do it personally, just in passing and during the week, say, can I have five minutes of your time and go to him and say, I believe in you. I pray, I'm praying for you. Is there anything else I can pray with you about? I submit my life to you. You're a spiritual authority in my life. I want to learn. I want to listen and I want to lead with you. So I think it's that kind of uh, attitude of heart. I, it, it's surprising how many pastors get up every Sunday or during the week and shepherd their people and still don't get very much positive, encouraging feedback. Right. Some people can be in a church for years and never say to a yep. pastor, that meant, that sermon really spoke to my heart or thank you very much or whatever. It's almost like, come on, you guys, yeah. we're yeah. all human. We all and need it. We need yeah. a little encouragement, yeah. each and every one of us. And uh, I guess people think, well, they'll get a big head. Who's going to get a big no, head? It's proven Not that for... you can't get a big head or pride doesn't happen through encouragement. Right, right. We all need encouragement. Yeah. We all need prayer. Now here, let me say one other thing because you probably experienced this too, Mark. Um, if you're going to be effective in a church, you have to be committed to the people, to loving the people. Yeah. And 
if you're feeling like you're going to leave, I would just tell people, please say goodbye. Exactly. Say goodbye because, you know, uh, and, and you don't have to get in a, give a hundred reasons why you're leaving or whatever. You don't have to wait and have a big fight or say that was the worst sermon I've ever heard. <laughs> but just say goodbye. Say, yeah. hey, thanks for, for loving on my family for these last weeks or months or years, and uh, I'm going to move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, that's clean, you know. Very much so. I don't want to get too heavy on this, but I think we've lost an awareness and a need of not only the fear of the Lord mm-hmm. on both sides, leadership and people or together, uh, but then also what is spiritual authority and how they, Scripture is very clear, these right. people shepherd and care for your life. Right. And if that be true for any length of time, I think they not deserve, but I think it'd be wise for you as a, as a part of that body to communicate to the other members of that body, those in leadership, mm-hmm. that I thank you for the connection I've had. Thank you that I've been a part of this body. Mm-hmm. I've been connected by sinew and blood veins and life. And now I feel God is calling me or moving me elsewhere. Communicate that. That'll bring health to both aspects. Both amen parties. and amen. You you brought up two wonderful topics, the fear of the Lord. I was reading in uh, the book of Job this morning, and it talked about there's a mine where the you get gold out, and yeah. uh, it's deep in the earth, and, and who knows what's going on down there, and, and yet there's something even more precious, and that is wisdom, and nobody can quite fathom it, but God who created wisdom said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I want wisdom because it allows me to function and triumph in life in every sphere that I'm involved in. And so the fear of the Lord sort of hems me in. It it tells me where to go and where not to go. That's good. Yeah. And the fear of the Lord is not uh, an anxiety. It's not a, a tumultuous conflict of soul. It is a submission and a reverence to say, God, you call the shots, you're sovereign, you're moving. I want to be sensitive to your leadership and be available to it. Right. I surrender. And that kind of spirit, I think, moves, if you can do it before the Lord Almighty, I don't see why we couldn't and do it in good respect, the same way, to the leadership that he's appointed. Well, yeah, because God has established the church as his family and people can grow to maturity in the church and nobody can grow to maturity apart from the family of God. You don't do it on your own. So guys like us, we've given our lives to Mm -hmm. shepherd the people of God and we shepherd them with the same kind of love that we love our own kids with, right? I mean, we wanted the best for our kids when they're growing up. We pray for them. We feed them. We give them whatever they need to prosper. And so if somebody comes to me and says, I'm thinking of marrying this person, or I'm thinking of starting this business, or I'm thinking of leaving my wife, we're going to love them like we love our own kids and with all the experience God's given us, aren't we? We are. And I think we carry that and process that as pastors. And if there's communication, one, like we mentioned just a moment ago, thank you. We appreciate what you're doing. And then also the communicate, hey, I'm dealing with this. We can see it on faces. Uh, Find someone in leadership in that church to share that concern, that that marriage, uh, the good and the bad, the thing that's taking place. Because we carry that. We walk that out. Good, healthy shepherds 
care for their sheep. My guest is Mark Looning from Springs Church. Mark, before we go into this next break, tell people how they can find Springs. Uh, the Springs Church is in Chandler, Arizona at uh, 6135 West Detroit Street. Best way to do it is go online to the springschurch.net. Springs and it's got Church all the information. Yep. My guest, Mark Looning. I'm Mark Buckley from uh, Living Streams Church at livingstreams.org. We're going to be right back after these messages. Welcome back. Um, this is Mark Buckley from Living Streams. Mark Looning, my friend from the Springs and Chandler, has got a bunch of creative ministries going on. Mark, tell us a little bit about it. Uh, well, I can tell you one that just uh, we had a neat opportunity just recently for our community. We have a CrossFit box in our gym. They call them boxes, not mm-hmm. gyms. Mm-hmm. They're sort of... Uh, uh, feisty that way, but uh, they, we have a CrossFit box. It meets in our lobby. We have a large lobby concrete floor. We pull out mats. We put mm-hmm. up all the apparatus and the weights and all that. And we had a battle of the box mm-hmm. uh, just about uh, a month ago. And uh, over a hundred and probably 150, 160 people came. Uh, about 80 athletes, 60 to 80 athletes, I think it was, uh-huh. participated. They all did this workout against each other for time. And, it's pretty uh, intense. It's huh? pretty intense, but all ages mm-hmm. and a variety. And a gentleman walked up to me, uh, attends another church in our community, and came up to me and said, Pastor Mark, uh, isn't this neat? Can you think of another church on a Friday night that has this kind of activity and is filled yeah. on a Friday night? And I said, I'm sure there's a few, but this is pretty exciting. And he said, what a great family atmosphere what a great uh, opportunity to what we believe in is presence evangelism. Yeah. By opening up this to the community, uh, those athletes come in and we just hang with them, share with them, connect life together, mm-hmm. uh, invest in relationship, and then invite them to Jesus, invite them to church. So that's uh, that's our... And you've seen uh, some people respond to the fantastic. Lord that way, haven't you? Uh, quite a few. And we've been very... Uh, very blessed, very honored. Give people it. your address one more yeah. time. 6135 West Detroit Street in Chandler. It's in the 85226 zip code area. And our uh, website is thespringschurch.net. Thanks, buddy. I yeah. appreciate you being here. My joy. Thank you, Mark, for having me. I'm Mark Buckley from Living Streams. You can reach us on the web at livingstreams.org. And we meet on Central and Glendale right on the corner, 915 and 11 on Sunday morning. Wherever you are, though, find a local church where you can serve. If you can't trust the character of the leadership, find a different church because we're called to be connected, united in love, building one another up in the name of Jesus Christ. So be a doer of the word. God bless. faith and life. Faith Talk, 1360 KPXQ, Glendale, Phoenix.